the clock says 2112. What are we doing back here? Yeah, I, I think there's something wrong with the time machine. Uh, I, I reckon we should stop by and see the mechanic here. I think all that Martian dust from the last episode really gunked up the air filter. Plus, we've been we've been running it hot for like seven months now. What? What the heck are y'all doing back so soon? Soon? What? We've been gone for like months. No, no, no. Maybe from your point of view, but for me, y'all just left like two seconds ago. Who's been driving y'all's time machine? This thing looks more beat up than a, a donkey used to drive halfway between Sodom and Gomorrah. This guy over here. Hey, 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 I'm doing my best, man. Well, y'all seem to have done quite a number on this baby. This baby I worked for a very long time on. Just like a minute ago. Just go have a seat in the lobby. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do for you again. So we sat down and waited. As the mechanic backed our battered and worn vehicle into the garage bay, I took a deep breath and enjoyed the first little bit of downtime we'd had in quite a while. The season of recording had been so hectic and fast-paced. Many times, it felt like we either wouldn't be able to find a story to report on, or get killed in the reporting process, or worse, miss our deadline. It would be nice to finally get back to our own timeline, back in 2020. In January, when we first set out on our investigative travels through the time stream to bring you the stories you didn't know you didn't know, we hadn't considered the length of this assignment. We've been going hard for nearly seven months now, traveling far enough in the future to meet orcs and space marines, far enough in the past to find a galaxy long ago and far away, and far enough to the side to end up in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. All these adventures left me yearning to get home, back to good old 2020. But the season wasn't over yet, and our work wasn't done. We still had at least four episodes to go before we could return home. It would be winter when we got back. I thought about all the fun activities I could do with my friends. Game night at someone's house, packed tightly into a cozy room while we all drank hot cocoa. You know, the good kind, mit Schlag. Or going to a Saturday matinee movie in winter. The theater buzzing with energy from the crowd of people sitting side by side, breathing in each other's air and particles, unconcerned, or simply going down to see the winter festivus lights, and maybe stopping in a small coffee bar and hearing some live jazz. While I was proud of the reporting I'd done, it would be nice to finally get home. Whoa. Check that guy out. He Who? looks... Oh, man. You gotta have it up here to know how to start these things and stop them and start them again. Look, George, I done told you you can't come past the yellow line, all right? It's a liability as much as safety. Now, I told you I will call to you when I'm done. And yesterday I walked out of here with my shoes on my ears. <laughs> That's because you got too close to the Galdern Auropod. It's past the yellow line. Now, don't make me squirt you with this here bottle of windshield cleaner. Squirt, squirt. I'll do it. Squirt, squirt. Squirt, squirt, George. Now cut that out. If I want a bath, I'll take a shower. All right, now go on get. I'll call you when your car is ready. Take the public transportation for once. It'll be fun. Fun? I could have more fun with a saber-toothed tiger. Those fucking Jetsons always bringing that creepy laugh track wherever they go. It's just weird, man. Hey, uh, let's take a walk. I'm, I'm feeling a little stuffy in here. Junkyard? 
junkyard. Where y'all headed? Uh, yeah, we just need to s stretch our legs. Gonna stroll around back if you don't mind. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Just uh, don't touch nothing, especially not my uh, my model I'm working on of, of creating a statue of Alice and Bree out of uh, random car parts. Don't don't touch it. Don't look at it. I'm hoping for a Pygmalion situation here. Three hours later. Well, I think I found the problem. Well, y'all been bouncing around all the space-time continuum. Looks like a chrono transmission issue. You guys really been double-clutching this some bitch. I can't imagine who would have thought an interstellar trip coupled with whatever the hell else it is. With the help of the mechanic, we got our time machine back in working order. Again. But before we could go, the mechanic pulled us into the garage to show us a neat little invention he had attached to the car. This here is something I threw together for another pair of fellas who couldn't seem to keep control of where they were going. It's a chronometric governor. Should keep you from jumping more than 10 or 15 years at any one time. Also, good job. Yeah. You may want to let Norbert here drive for a while. Okay. It's Nolan. Anyway, we can use my Acme Launchomatic to uh, manually send you back to where, uh, uh, somewhere around the beginning of the 20th century, neighborhood of the late 1930s, early 1940s. It ain't very specific, like tossing a dart across the street, really. In fact, it'd it really be a giant slingshot. Big rubber band and everything. I got it. I'm, I'm ready to use it. From there, you ought to be able to inch your way forward until you are back in your own, um... Say, what year are y'all trying to get to? 2020. Oh, Lord of mercy, gross! Lord of mercy, y'all... Y'all go home and get it before you bring some of that nonsense my way. Golly gee whiz, 2020. That's the one that, that went down in the history books as, as quite a doozy. Well, good luck. Lord knows you're going to need it. Uh, did the did the reptiles declare war on oxygen yet? Did they what now? Uh, do, do you still got an atmosphere? Wait, what? Oh, oh boy. Oh, shouldn't have said that. All right. Better get going. Y'all take care. Catch a ride. After the Plot, the show where we bring you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. This month, on Episode 7, we begin our home stretch for Season 2. Join us as we inch our way through the 20th century, all the while investigating the untold stories behind some of our favorite franchises. Welcome to Before the Plot, the show that brings you the curious curiosities, right here on First Plank Media. I'm your host, Good Day. And I'm your co-host, Bartholomew. Well, I'm absolutely over the moon about our latest episode, probably the best one we've had in a fortnight. Oh, indubitably, Good Day. Now, as you all know, after the recent deadly attack on Pearl Harbor, it seems more and more likely that all 48 states in the Union will be... Well, confound it, who could that be? Indeed, what kind of rabble-rouser would possibly see fit to knock on our door during a live broadcast? By Job, who are you guys? Hey guys, I'm Good Job Lacey. Is this Final Plank Studios? What? No, this is First Plank Studios, established not nine. I'm Good Day, and this here is my co-host Mortimer. It's Bartholomew! 
I was sorry to interrupt you guys. Uh, we're we're just here looking for a story for our show after the plot. It's a podcast that Final Plank Media produces in the 21st century. A podcast? Why in God's name would you put your pod in a cast? Whatever could he have broken? 21st century? Well, golly gee whiz, tell us about that. Did the horseless carriage thing stick around? Do they still let the women vote? What about light bulbs? Have those gotten any better? Listen, guys, we'd love to tell you all about it, but we don't want to mess up the time-space continuum thing, Yeah, you know? yeah, or the space-time continuum either. Don't you guys read The Flash at all? The what? Never heard of it. Ah, uh, never mind. Anyway, do you have any leads that we could work into a story, maybe? Hmm. Well, we have been looking into a story. A bit of a behind-the-scenes work, if you will, into the conflict in Europe. We heard tell that there is someone running supplies and weapons behind enemy lines, helping out those dastardly fascists. So with the help of our predecessors, we got to work. With the war in Europe at ahead, it seemed impossible that anyone could possibly want to see this conflict extended. But it seemed that certain parties were acting as war profiteers by smuggling essential weapons across borders. Our first job was to see if we could uncover more about this dastardly rogue who thought only of himself and hoped to make a quick buck off the suffering of millions. Enter Steamboat Willie. Short for Steamboat William, this mouse began his career as a merchant marine at the end of the 30s. But when it seemed that there was more money to be made in profiteering, he left the calm realm of riverboat transportation and headed over to the dark side. Now, if you had read the tabloids at the time, you'd have read stories about this particular mouse moving into show business, helping on new blockbusters such as Dumbo the Flying Elephant. But there were rumors that this new and polished mouse was a decoy, a double, if you will. So we went looking for someone who could help us get the inside scoop, and with a little detective journalism, we found him a retired naval spy who had previously gone after the notorious Steamboat William. And his name was Popeye. We sat down with him at a local wharf to discuss the story. Well, Mr. I, uh, thank you for being willing to speak with us. Not a problem at all. I got a story to tell, but I ain't no storyteller. So what can you tell us about the supposed weapons runner, Steamboat Willie? Well, I'd followed this two-timing, no-good rodent from Afghanistan to Zanzibar. There wasn't no cause too violent and no price too low. Willie would get you the goods. Pop went on to explain how this family-friendly steamboat operator had helped build and take advantage of an international weapons black market. Germany, Italy, even Japan. The mouse had made a slick buck. But it didn't stop there. Eventually, United States Intel discovered a paper trail of Willie's network on American soil. President Roosevelt himself made the decision to send in Popeye to get to the bottom of the corruption. I can find a flea in a room full of beetles. But this mouse was more slippery than a noivous eel. I chased him for months. Finally, in the spring of 1939, Popeye nearly had him. Using his skills as a deep undercover intel agent, he infiltrated the underground market, ready to pounce and bring this warlord to justice. But somebody tipped off the mouse, and he escaped. All we got was the wiretap between him and his other contact mouse, Jerry. Alright, Willie. You got the stuff? So, is that a yes or what? With our story wrapped up, we thanked good Dan Bartholomew and headed off to our next investigative story, inching our way slowly back to our own time. Alright. Here we are. 
1952, the studio sure does look different. Everything's black and white instead of that creepy, dull sepia tone everything yeah, was in. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Hey, look over there. It's Good Day and uh, Bartholomew. What? Good Day and Barth haven't worked here since the 40s. My name is Good Time, and this is my co-host, Horton. It's Henriksen. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I thought we were in Before the Plot Studios. Where have you two been? This is Next Plank Media, home of During the Plot, the place where you learn the stories you might not have otherwise known. Okay, cool. Well, since we're here, do you guys need help on finishing up a story or something like that? Hmm. What do you think, Good Time? Maybe they could help us finish up our latest story. The Acme piece? The very one. Acme. To the average American, the very name instills a sense of safety, value, and efficiency. This homegrown company provided everything the working class family might need from rocket-powered sedans to blendomatics to anvils. However, just as a tree may hide the corruption of its core behind a sturdy layer of bark before suddenly collapsing during a fierce storm, so too was Acme hiding its misdeeds. And the impetus for this fall from grace was war. As it turns out, through shell corporations, Acme had a monopoly on not only the bandage industry, but also the anvil, dynamite, piano, and disappearing paint industry. Regardless of which side was winning the war, Acme was making a profit, all at the expense of innocent cartoon characters. No matter how many times you do this, it never gets easier. That's me there. The rabbit in scrubs, handing wires to the black duck. I'm pulling an unexploded time bomb out of a wounded soldier. You know, the kind with the clock on the front. Scalpel. Scalpel. Sponge. Sponge. Scalpel. Scalpel. Sponge. 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 Scalpel. Scalpel. Sponge. Eight hours on your feet and not a break in sight. The coyote I'm working on will most likely live, but Nurse Granny Hand keeps wheeling in more and more. We've got a wounded skunk, sounds French. A piano injury, full grand to the head. Looks like all of his teeth are piano keys now, too. Ordinarily, my partner, Honey Duck, would jump on a challenge like that. But even he is losing steam. Old Beaks, as I call him, isn't as young as he used to be. This is despicable. After your first ten wounded cartoons, it's no longer shocking. After a hundred, it starts to feel like all this lunacy might not be worth saving. If Toonkine is destined to tear itself to pieces, maybe we should just let it. But then, before I can think any further, we get another wounded. Ooh, compression injury. Crate of accordions fell on this poor lad, and now he's the shape of a big accordion himself. Heavens me. And without hesitation, I'm back in the game. Yeah, put him over in three. Hey, uh, Beaks. 
How's the skunk? Still trying to get those piano keys out of his mouth. Hey, did I ever tell you about the time I taught a talking bear how to tie a rifle barrel into a bow? It's the darndest trick. Got another one. Entire anvil fell on this kitty's head. Oh, my. But a huge red knot formed and actually pushed the anvil back up. But it looks like he's got three, oh, no, four stars spinning around his head and some yellow feathers sticking out of his mouth. Feathers? Yes, little yellow ones. Hmm. What do you say, Beaks? Hmm. I wouldn't waste your time. You have to remove the stars first. Oh, that ray of sunshine. Charles Roopchester. You wouldn't know it, but he's one of the finest surgeons we've got. It is of no use going in for the bird. Surely it's dead by now. There are plenty of other wounded for you to tend to. No use putting their lives on the line as well. Yeah, listen to old Flapjowls over here. You know what, Droops? I'm surprised your dour attitude hasn't killed your patient yet. Now see here, you juvenile rabbit. When they found this soldier at the bottom of the cliff, he was five feet deep in a hole that exactly matched the outline of his body, and a sign right next to it that said, Oops, my realistic attitude but is the, the only thing the keeping boy. him alive. Keep his mouth open. I'm going in after it. Us Beak Brothers gotta stick together. I'm a tweet little bird in a deodorant cage. Tweet is my name, but I don't know my age. I don't have to worry, and that is that I'm safe in here from that old putty. But just as you take a sigh of relief over one small victory, we get even more injured cartoons. Look alive, everyone. We g g g got wounded coming in. These b b b b these lads are injured. Looks like their van crashed into a p p p painting of a tunnel after the van in front of them just drove right through the t t t it didn't crash. Welcome back to End of the Plot. I am your host, Good Chance, and here as always, I am joined by my funktastic co-host, Clancy. It's Clarence today, actually. Wait, what's that? Somebody's knocking at our door during a live studio broadcast? Man, what a goof. Let's, let's go see who it is. Hey, whoa. You guys look like us. Far out. Hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt. Do you know if Good Time and Henriksen are still around? What? Those old squares? They left back in the year of 58. Back before they changed the name to Last Plank Media. That's right. I'm Clarence, and this is Good Chance. How do you do? We host End of the Plot. It's a radio show that goes out every Monday. Once a quarter, we publish a best-of collection on 8-track. You know, so people can listen to it later. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. Anyway, we don't really have anything for you to work on right now. This whole season is pretty much sound as a pound. Come on, man, you must have something we can help with, even like a small like throwaway story or something. Like, we just, we need to have something 
we need to bring back something with us. You know what I mean? Not very good to show up empty-handed from an, an assignment. Hey, how about we show them Bearpocalypse Now? What? You know, Bearpocalypse Now. Let them listen to that. They can write a review for their assignment. We've got a copy of it on 8-track back here. Yeah, but we spilled coke on it. So now it's all sticky. You know, from the soda. I know that. We can let them listen to the one we fixed. You know, the redo. But but that one is like three hours long. Ooh. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm checking my phone and we only have like... Twelve minutes. ...left in the episode. Why, uh, why would you look at your telephone to tell what time it is? Yeah, what, are you doing your taxes on an abacus as well? Ha! <laughs> Clock on a phone. This guy. Nevertheless... Nevertheless. Jinx. The mission was classified at the time, but I've been on more than one special assignment. But when I was sent into the friendly territory to take out one of our own, this was different. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. Whenever I was in the forest, all I could think about was getting out. And as soon as I got out, all I could think about was getting back in there. Pretty silly. <laughs> I'm here a week now, waiting for a mission. Getting softer. Every minute I stay in this room I get weaker. And the rabbits get stronger. Each time I look around, the walls moved in a little tighter. But before I knew it, I was being sent into the forest by Ranger Smith for one reason. To terminate a rogue bear who had begun terrorizing visitors to the park. Terminate with extreme prejudice. 
You understand, Captain, that this mission does not exist, nor will it ever exist. The Hanna-Barbera-Nam conflict was one of the most divisive wars this century. And only now, several years after its debatable conclusion, many veterans are speaking up about their deployments. One such veteran reached out to End of the Plot on the condition that he remain anonymous due to the sensitive nature of the missions he completed. For that, we agreed to withhold his name from this story. The path into Jellystone was treacherous, and I needed some air support to get there. Command had arranged it for me. All I had to do was show up, and I'd receive a personal escort from one Samuel Michelangelo Rosenbaum, better known to his friends as Yosemite Sam. Any one of you lily-livered, bow-legged varmints care to slap leather with me? In case any of you get any ideas, you better know who you're dealing with. I'm the hootinest, tootinest, shootinest, bobtail wildcat in the West. That sounds intense. You don't know the half of it. <laughs> On our main approach up the Delta, the whole column of air support started blasting music. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. This guy, he was completely wrapped up in the thrill of battle. I smells carrots a-cooking, and where there's carrots, there's rabbits. Well, what can you tell me about your target? Well, for one, he's smarter than your average bear. <laughs> But seriously, he was out there operating without any decent restraint. Totally beyond the pale of any acceptable cartoon conduct. And he was still out in the field, commanding troops. Yikes. You said it, buddy. Eventually, we made it up river, although it wasn't easy. We lost our gunner, Yaki. Ah, uh, what are you gonna do with that rifle? and Chief Boo-Boo. No, it's true. We may not get the best lines, but we move the story along. Good soldiers that will be remembered. Anyway, when we made it up river to the bear's headquarters, you could see the place and everyone in it were completely insane. The first cat we met was some camper that had disappeared in the woods many months ago. The bear's enlarged my mind. He's a camping warrior in the cartoon sense. A Spartan, even. I, I mean, sometimes he'll, well, uh, you say, hey, Yogi, to him, right? And he'll just walk right by you, and he won't even notice or uh, see you, even. Uh, and then suddenly, he'll grab you, and he'll, he'll throw you, uh, toss you even into a corner, and he'll say... Let's go get some picnic baskets, if you can keep your head when all of you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when the park rangers doubt you. I'm... I'm a little bear. I'm a little bear. He's a great bear, even. I should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling across the floors of silent seas. But we weren't stopped by anyone. The bear queerly wanted me alive. I was allowed to walk around the premises for many hours before I was finally overwhelmed and captured. After days of being held with no food and little water, 
the bear came to me. So, what did they tell you that you were supposed to do? I was sent on a classified mission. <laughs> Doesn't look classified anymore. Looks like I know it, and I think you might blow it. For days on end I was held, forced to listen to his rants of lunacy. You can't eat lasagna if someone spills it on you. You see what I mean? The guy's a poet and doesn't even know it. Hey, look in. Don't talk over me. I'm philosophizing, you see. Not with a bang, whimper. And with a whimper, I'm gonna make like a tree and leaf. Stage left, even. So what happened next? Well, as I was unguarded and free to go anywhere I pleased, it soon became obvious the bear was sick. Even the forest wanted him dead. If I bided my time, I knew I could eventually finish the mission. Come on, baby, take a chance with us. Come on, baby, take a chance with us. Come on, baby, take a chance with us and meet me at the back of the I only had one shot at the bear, so I was very quiet. I breathed out and took aim, but before I knew it, the barrel of my gun had been tied into a knot. I learned that trick from a rabbit. Looks like it was a pretty good habit. He tied it into a bow? Like, like loop-de-loop and pull, or like a bow-tie bow? No, like... The bunny rabbit goes in through the hole and comes out. You know, the shoestring method. Oh, holy cow. What did you do after that? Well, fortunately for me, I also came prepared with my Acme bonko matic
After the Plot is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Additional talent this month provided by David Hallman. Theme music composed by Jared Bookbinder. Additional sound effects are credited to Super Funny Sheet and freesound.org. After the Plot is a production of Final Blank Media. Well, golly, Pee Wee, she just got that big fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's real dummy thick. <laughs> that was today's secret word. <laughs> <laughs>